might give us His touch and His Spirit. We're going to the third chapter of the book of Revelation. The third chapter of the book of Revelation this morning. When you find your place, I want you to stand. You may think we're in prophecy today, but we're not. Not in prophecy. It's because you're in the book of Revelation. Revelation's in uh, three sections. It's that which was, that which is, and that which is to come. And we're going to be in the second portion this morning on that which is present. Right here's where we stand today. I want to look at this. I pray that the Lord God might touch you. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 14. We're going to look at the, the seven churches in Asia Minor. And God deals with all seven of them. But today we're going to basically look at the last one, which is the Laodicean church age. And you're going to find something here. You'll see it. And brother, I'll tell you, it's right along the line of the times. The Bible said in Revelation chapter 3, verse 14, And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, These things saith the Amen, Jesus Christ. The faithful and true witness, Jesus Christ. The beginning of the creation of God, Jesus Christ. I know thy works, and that's still Jesus, and he's speaking through the rest of it, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert, thou wert cold or hot. God said, I wish you one or the other. Amen. You're in the middle. You can't tell what they are. Now, God knows. The verse says in verse number 16, so then, because thou art lukewarm. How many likes lukewarm coffee? If you're a coffee drinker, you probably don't. Amen. You uh, modern people, you want that iced coffee. I never did know about that until I got grown. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Spew means he's sickening. it's sickening to him. You don't like it. Verse 17, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He said, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eyesight, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Though zealous, therefore, or be zealous, therefore, and repent. Notice that word, repent. And then the Lord tells you where he's at in this church. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and hear open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. You can be seated. And before we pray, reach up and feel one of your ears. Are you confirmed this morning that you have one? Then hear. Amen. Heads bowed. Father, give us wisdom and understanding. I pray, God, you'll show us what we need to say. Help us, Lord, with the touch of God. I pray you'll anoint this message, drive it home to our heart. Lord, you'll speak to us, speak to the people as you spoke to me. And I pray, God, we'll see what we need to see today and we go out of here. Rejoicing in the Lord, but at the same time troubled at what we see and hear, and maybe also go out, Lord, this morning examining our heart to find out if we're where we need to be. I pray, God, you'll turn our hearts, our minds, and our souls to the throne of God. May we get wisdom from you in Jesus' name. We humbly pray, amen 
and amen. I want to say this morning, in preaching this message, I want to look and give an application in some manner while I'm preaching it. At least I'm going to try. I may not do it. But this chapter, or this church, it's shown to us and given to us prophetically. It's given to us powerfully. It's given to us with the thought of this morning of just kind of being practical or practically. And it's given to us personally. So what God's given us out of the third chapter, verses 14 through 22, is for every single one of us in this building. It may be for information. It might be to keep us from getting where they are. It might be to try to take us from where they are and get us where we need to be. Amen. Amen. And God's showing it to us from a prophetic standpoint as well. All right? Now I want to look at this. Uh, When we see it, this is before the church is called out. There are seven churches that John saw in Asia Minor. And I'll say they're there for being prophetically. They start from Ephesus and we get down to Laodicea. The best one of all of them, if you'll compare it and look at it, was Ephesus. He didn't have much against them except they'd lost their first love. That's bad. But from Ephesus, and it went down to the rest of them, those seven churches are showing us in the periods of time that they were there, they actually were seven churches. We'll look at that in a different manner too in just a little bit. We'll say to you, first of all, that them seven churches were literal. They were literal churches. They each were on the land. And not only were they uh, literal, but they were symbolic. Those seven churches represent seven periods of time from the day of Pentecost when the power of God come down and powered the church to go out. And these progressively got worse and worse and worse and worse until now we're living in the Laodicean church age. You say, am I a Laodicean? I hope not. And we're going to look at that. If you want to know what the Laodicean church is, it's the modern church. I don't participate with the modern church. Uh, This is the last days church, if you will. I give it a lot of names. It's the apostate church. If you'd like to look at it like that. It's the last church of the age of these churches. It's not only that, but it's a liberal church. You can't get more liberal than the Laodicean church. It's a compromising church. Churches have been compromising. Preachers have been compromising. But the church of Laodicea has compromised more than any other church. It's that tonight, it stands for nothing and allows everything. Does that sound natural? Does that sound normal? Have you wondered why things are not as spiritual as they used to be? In the Laodicean church, there's no morals. In the Laodicean church, there's no zeal. I call it the, uh, the ho-hum Christianity. They yawn in the face of God. They yawn in the face of the Bible. They yawn in the face of His Word. They yawn in the face of His ways. They yawn in the face of His will, of His way, his uh, work, a life at it. 
There's no enthusiasm in it. And uh, therefore, uh, they're against the things of God and not for the things of God. They're half-hearted, dry-eyed. I used to go to church when you'd see tears in the eyes of many of the saints of God. How long has it been since you've seen a church that had been brought to the tears, had been brought to its eyes, and they're waving their little handkerchiefs and praising God because the tears had been squeezed out of their heart and they had a concern for God. The church house is as dead as the doctor's office. Amen. That's right. I'll tell you, they, they weep more to jailhouse than they do down at the house of God. You hear me? I'm saying that's where we are. And you said, why are you talking to us about it? I just wondered if you're part of it. The Laodicean church cannot be touched. I call it the sin-loving church, the sin-living church, and the sin-longing church. So-called saints of God. We're living in a time when people don't know much difference between the saint and a church man or woman. Matter of fact, they call themselves saints. Saint is a word tonight or today that I don't particularly care for calling myself. Saint means that we're like Christ. We walk like Christ. We talk like Christ. We live like Christ. We have a compassion of Christ. We have the love of Christ. We do things right, not wrong. We take the Word of God. That's, you know, I hear people say to me, Preacher, I want to be filled with the Spirit. And if I ask a question now, I probably would get most every hand to be raised that, Preacher, I want to be filled with the Spirit. You know why we don't have much spirit anymore in our churches? God can't fill us. Amen. You said, preacher, I get the spirit all the, all the time. Well, do you do what the spirit has you to do? Do you live like the spirit wants you to live? Do you, you know, you'll never get spirit filled. And I'm talking about, I'm talking about saturated with the spirit of God until you begin to obey the word of God. If you don't obey the word of God, don't ask God to fill you. He won't do it. You're wasting your time. And matter of fact, you won't have to get down and ask God to fill you. But just a time or two when you get down and say, God, I'm yielding over to this book. This book's going to be what I walk and talk and sleep and eat and live. I'll share this with you in a minute. And you don't have to worry. Don't worry about getting the Spirit. So many people have misused that, misinterpreted that. I don't worry about trying to get this. What can I do this morning in this pulpit to get the anointing of God on me? What can you do to get the anointing of God on you? I can't get down and say, Lord, here I am now. I'm a pretty good old fella. And I've got a message and you put it on my heart. But Lord God, I pray I get the Spirit now. It depends on my life. It'll depend on your life. You cuss three or four times a week. I'm talking about three or four days in a week. Oh, I don't do it. Don't even try to figure where you do or don't. Just listen to what I'm saying. If you think bad about your neighbor, if you don't cuss but you'd like to, you'd like to tell them what you think, live like you think, don't ask God to touch you. He won't do it. Said preacher, I don't, uh, I don't uh, run around on my wife, and I don't run around on my husband. 
but you got evil thoughts coming through your mind, you think God's going to fill you and anoint you. Mm-mm. Amen. Listen to me. There's no enthusiasm in their hearts. These churches were the worst spiritual of all of them. This church led us in is worse than all the other six. It's come this far. Actually, I show you and I'll tell you this. I told you about it being prophetic. When you see the Laodicean church on the earth, you can automatically mark it down. It's not going to be long till the coming of the Lord to get to church in the rapture. Why are we so cold? Why are we so far away from God? How come we've come to the place where we are simply because we've sinned and sinned and sinned? Can I ask you a question? If you had three or four kids and you're at, and those kids, you tell them what they ought to do, you tell them what they ought not to do, maybe they got one little problem in their life that's more and worse than ever. I'm on... And, you can't get rid of it. You can't get it stopped. You can't get them to quit. You can't get them to be under control. Somewhere you're going to pull the hair out of your head just a little bit, wondering what you're going to do. Have you ever stopped to think about if when you obey, disobey God's word today and you disobey it again tomorrow and you disobey it again the next day and you disobey it. See, God's quit fooling with some of you because he knows you're not going to change. Now you expect to get down and ask God, Oh God, fill me. Touch my heart. Touch my soul. Oh God, give me this. Give me that. Quit wasting your breath. You think God's going to keep giving you what you're asking for when you won't even obey His Word? Now this is not one of them you're shot off of. I don't preach too many of them. And I'm not bragging about that. I just wonder why we can't get to where we need to be. The Laodicean church was the worst spiritual church, but it was the most busy church. Isn't that what we've got into today? It's the bridge and the box and all them things that they've changed their names to. Getting away from God. Amen. There's... It's more worldly and less godly. It's more anti-Bible. Because it has the least amount of biblical truth in it. It's most dead. It's most exciting to the world than it is to the people of God. It's lost its reputation. It's lost its respect. It's lost its character. It's lost its power. It's lost its influence. It's lost its credibility. It's lost its vision. And without a vision, people perish. God's given me these things just and I was jotting them down as fast as I could jot them down. That's why I said, Lord, slow down a little bit. I'll never get out of there. Did you know the church is less respected today than it's ever been? I'm not talking about the big boys. I'm not talking about that crowd today is in the entertainment that Laodicean church is. It's entertaining. I would challenge you with this and this is going to throw a monkey in. But if you want to know what you come from and where the church is, especially us Baptists, you go back and read the old church fathers back yonder. Said, where'd we get all this? Well, go back. How many has ever heard of somebody called Polycarp? Now, what, let's do this again. How many has ever heard of Polycarp? Raise your hand a little higher. Now look around while you're holding your hand up. I'm not trying to put you in specify. That's good. Let them down. 
But I'm trying to tell you, you should know something about Polycarp and all his followers, Ignatius. Who are they, preacher? Never. They were the first preachers of the Baptist after John. Polycarp was taught by John, the revelator. You hear me? You ain't been interested. You ought to go back. Matter of fact, Polycarp was, I believe he's in Pergamos. Did you know that? When you go back and read your history and find these things, you said, well, you tell me to read the Word of God. Yeah, but you ain't reading it enough. Amen. The Bible needs to be read and understood, but when you go back and read Polycarp, what happened to Polycarp? They burned him. Or put him in, uh, I don't know where it's him or not, but one of them, they put him and tried to burn him and they was going to nail him to the tree. They was going to, and he said, don't do that to me. He said, 80 and 5 years, he stood by me and stood with me. Just don't do it. God will give me the grace to go through it. I don't know where it was him or not, but one of the others. And uh, they, I know he's the one that said that, but I'm talking about, they got, tried to burn him and they couldn't get the fire to go in. Wasn't it him? Huh? Yep. Couldn't get him. And he, can you think about that? That's how the church got his start. And it's talked about, those men talked about the things that's happened. When Gnosticism, the Gnostics, is talked about in the book of Revelation. You need to read those things. They had a different view of the Lord Jesus Christ. And these men stood against that. The church has fought the devil tooth and nail down through the years and now the church won't stand for anything. You know why the preachers are not being burned at the stake? Because they don't preach like they used to preach. And if they did, they wouldn't have to be, they wouldn't have to be crucified or killed by the, by the people in religion. They'd be killed by their own church members. Ladies and gentlemen, that's where we come to in our society. Our churches have turned their backs on the Lord Jesus Christ who purchased them and bought them and paid for them. It's amazing. Church has lost all it's had. Amen. In verse 16, the Bible said, So then because thou art what? Luke warm. And neither cold nor hot. He said, I will spew thee out of my mouth. You know why we don't have revivals and stirrings of people anymore? We're not into shape to be blessed. We won't never think God's got us and we want to live just like the devil all at the same time. We don't want to turn nothing loose of the world. We want everything the world's got for us and we want everything that God's got for us. But the problem is you can't have two masters. You'll either love one and despise the other. Amen. You understand what I say? You can't serve God and mammon. And God teaches us to come out from among the world and be a separate except the Lord. And if he tells us to come out of that, you say, well, I'd go crazy. That's right. You probably would. But when you come out from among the world, you've got to... Put something else in. You, you, you've got to turn from the world and turn to something else. What is that? The Lord. Amen. I want you to look at these things and I pray that God will help you. He said you're not cold. You're not hot. You're too cold to be hot. You're too cold to boil. And you're too hot to freeze. God said, I wish he was on one side or the other. 
I've said for years and years and years and people said unto me, knows that I said that's the reason many Christians so-called walk bow-legged. They've been straddling the fence too long. Sure have. I know people's heard me say that. Amen. You can't wash dishes in cold dishwater. That won't even whip the grease off. Right? We got to get on fire for God, ladies and gentlemen. We got to have the fire from above. We got to have something from heaven that'll stir our hearts up and make us what we need to be. We're going to tell you now, they'll say, Good Lord, good devil. Call both good. Can't do that. We have self satisfied churches. You know what they said in verse 17? Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need, have need of nothing. Brother Virgil back under when I was just a boy, we didn't have air conditioning to keep us cool. Had funeral home fans, windows open, contended with flies and mosquitoes. Had meetings in the middle of the summertime, paid nothing, no attention to it at all. Didn't have padded pews. You had to be careful and not stir around much. You might have to get a needle out before dark. And pick out splinters. Are you with me? Set around a pot-bellied stove. I remember the first church I pastored had little gas heaters. Didn't have wood stoves, but they had gas heaters set halfway in the front and it'd be cold. I went and preached in a few churches that had pot-bellied stoves. They, somebody had to come and warm the church up, get the fire going. And even when it got down cold, it wasn't very Warm. Everybody sit with their coats on. Might get a little bit comfortable by the time we start to leave. Now we're living in a different society. We got padded pews, air conditioning, good heat. You hear me? Still don't care much about the church and the things of the church. Now I want to give you a little outline to think about this. Laodicean churches and give you some things today. If you're not one of these Laodicean members, if you are saved by the grace of God, if you do know the Lord Jesus Christ, let me give you some things that you've got probably lukewarm on. Number one, most churches, even if they're not lukewarm, they're at a the place where they have got lukewarm on sanctification. Two or three of you flinched a little bit when I said that. Sanctification is a Bible word. The Pentecostals have messed up a lot of good words for us Baptists. Sanctification. You may know it more as sanctified. And you may know it more as set apart. But there's a doctrine of sanctification in the Word of God, and most of you don't know what it is. They, instead of sanctified, they become indifferent. Quite opposite. We become indifferent to the things of God. You know what sanctification is? It means that you're holy. Now, if I ask you this morning, how holy are you? Would you say 98%? Would you say 90%? Would you say 70%? You say I'm 50% holy, 40% holy, 10% holy, or just a little bit holy? That's important. If you're holy, 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 like the Bible calls holy, and as far as I'm concerned, that's the only way he looks at it. It means that you are right nigh 
And we don't believe in perfection the way as human beings are, but I do believe that God is holy. And I do believe that God is perfect. I do believe that there's no problem with Him. But you'd be surprised at the crazy folks in the world. I sat with a fellow at the table this week. And he said, did you read what I gave you to read some time ago? I said, yes, sir, I sure did. What do you think about it? I said, you're wrong. And I, I'll still be your friend, but you and I will not agree on that. You're going to stir me wide open with it. He said, you know what God's name is in Psalms? And he told me, I said, yes, it's Jah. And I said, you know what it is in the New Testament? He said, don't believe in the New Testament. I said, he said, one of these days you're going to look me in the face and tell me I was right. I said, no. Because you're going to hell and I'll never see you when you leave this walk of life. Unless God lets me see it on the side. And I said, you cannot go to heaven without Jesus Christ. He said, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't believe in the New Testament. I don't believe He's God like you do. And I said, He's God. And I said, let's just stop this little conversation right here. Oh, don't mean you'll be in, in, uh, in the floor in a minute. And I stopped it. But people say all these things, they look at these things, but I believe God is holy. I believe we ought to be holy. Look at the book of Mark, please. I'll give you some scriptures and we'll keep a going. I got a lot to say and a short time to say it in. Mark chapter 7. Read this scripture, Mark chapter 7, verse number 6 and 7. Mark 7, 6 says... He answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah, that's Isaiah, prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You can say all you want to, but I'll tell you right now, you better look at how you do it with Jesus. The Bible said in verse number 7, How be it in vain do they worship me, Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And that's what this man's doing. And anybody else is doing that. He's teaching his doctrines. Amen. And telling that. And they're not the doctrines of God. They're the commandments of men. We look at this word holy. Not many uh, want to be holy. Not many are aware that there is such a thing as being holy. Not many are doing that. Amen. Amen. And they're not wanting to live by the Word of God. And if you don't want to live by the Word of God and obey the Word of God, you'll never get holy like God wants you holy. I can't say it in plain. Let me just share this with you. Some of the stuff sometimes you look at in the Bible and God tells you to do this, you think that's just rituals and things. You think it's just something that has to be done. Don't you imagine Aaron? Do you remember Aaron? How many has heard of Aaron in the Bible? Okay, do you really know who Aaron was? Somebody throw out right quick what Aaron was. Alright, I thought somebody would say brother of Moses, and he was. He was also the mouthpiece God told Moses, and he said, I got bad speech, can't speak. Well, I'll let Moses, I'll tell you what I won't said. You tell Aaron, and Aaron will tell him. But he is also the, somebody said, priest. But we need to clarify that a little bit more. He was more than a priest. What was he? There you go. High priest. She said it on her mouth, and I seen it. He was not just a priest. He was the high priest. The high priest was the only one that could go in to the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle and he had to have blood to do that. 
But can I tell you something more about that? You study this when you get home. Aaron had a head garment. He had a breast garment. He had a holy garment to wear. Aaron had to cleanse himself at the laver and offer the sacrifice at the at the altar. He had to put on the priestly garments, put on the head thing of, of the priest and the the chest with all the little decorative things he put on. And he went into the holy place. But he could not go any further without all that. He had to do that before he could get in the holy place. He had to have blood to get into the most holy place. That was the most sacred place that man has ever been on this earth. You with me? Now God expected Aaron. And if he didn't do that, you know what God would do? Somebody tell me. Kill him. God didn't waste no time denying what he wanted. Now God don't kill us like that today. He just withholds your blessings. He withholds of the abundance and God holds back. You play around with God and God won't play around with you. He's serious. That's why God wants you to get in the secret chamber. Most everybody thinks that's where the preacher ought to stay. Most of you don't even know where the secret chamber is and you don't know how to act when you got there. I dare say this morning as I stand before you that probably there's probably not been two chapters read by you, some of you, this week. You haven't probably spent more than ten minutes in prayer. Now I'm not trying to pick at you. I don't know why you may pray more than I do. You may read more Bible than I read. I hope you do. You understand. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm not trying to put you... Put, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to get you the place to see that you need more of God. And He can't get, uh, you can't get more of Him until you get more of Him. And the only way you can get more of Him is come to His presence and get more of Him. Let me just, let me simplify this. I don't want to get more King James Bible here. How many believes everything in this Bible? Amen. Now careful now when you say that. This is not a trick question. This book. I can't that fellow told me this week, he said that Bible's full of contradictions. I said they're between your ears. Amen. Not in my Bible. And there's a lot of people believe there's contradictions in this book. They're not. So, let's see how I want to say this. I believe every, everything in this Bible is right. Amen. You said, well, there's some lies in that Bible. Oh, yeah, they are. The devil told a few. And others told, and God just told us about them. But God ain't lied. You understand? You say there's some bad things in that Bible. Oh, they are. God told us about sin and how bad sin is. And God told us how bad sin is so we'll know how bad sin is. You ever heard, I heard a story about the preacher had his little granddaughter with him going down the road. I heard this years ago. And uh, said they stopped and waiting on her grandmother to uh, to come out from doctor's office and, and I had the windows down and the old bumblebee come up there, flew in the car. And that little old, little old girl, she's, oh, she thought that was something. She's going to catch it. He said, no, 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 don't. And he 
got the old bumblebee and pinched the stinger out of it. He said, now you can play with it. And Jesus took the sting out of death. Paid sin's debt for us. That stayed with me for years. But as I look at this thing and I see it this morning, we are lukewarm on our sanctification. Set apart. I'm God's vessel. I live for God. I walk for God. I talk for God. I don't get around the crowd and cuss with them. I don't get around and go where they go. I don't look like them, smell like them, act like them in no form, shape, or fashion. And you're not doing that to pat yourself on the back. You do it because you love Christ. Another thing I'll tell you this morning is we have, we're lukewarm on our service. And that's not necessary service at the church. That means what we do for the Lord. We don't weep over sinners. How many hours do you spend this week praying for somebody that's lost? Let me ask you this. Do you have a prayer list on you this morning? I do. I carry one. I scratch off some and add more to it and get me a new sheet every once in a while. Praying for them. Spend, I, I get up and pray for them. I go to bed praying for them. Not bragging, I'm just telling you. We, we need to get the place that we witness. How many people have you witnessed to this week about being born into the family of God? Amen. Listen to me. How many of you fast and pray? Used to, I'd fast a lot of times, and I don't fast as much now. And with the sugar and all the stuff I got, I have problems with that. But I can do it to some degree. I'd be in trouble going a three-day fast with sugar diabetes. So I give off things and quit eating certain things for a certain amount of time that I can't eat. God honors fasting. Preachers don't preach it. People don't do it. We wonder why our world's going to hell. Why government won't change. We wonder why rules are being made and why things are, our world's turning upside down. Our homes are turned upside down. Our country's in a terrible shape. How many remember when they come into church and prayed for sinners and church members and they'd come in and say, I want you to pray for my uncle. He's an old drunk, won't, won't, won't do nothing but stay drunk and I want to pray for him and get the whole church praying for him. How many have seen that and all of a sudden here come that old drunk in one day, sobered up a little bit, comes to the altar and gets saved Next thing you know, he's singing in the choir. Make him a deacon in the church down the road. How many seen that? I've, been, I've seen it over and over and over. How many would like to see it? We don't want to pay the price for it. You said, if I did all you say and do, it'd take up all my time. Amen! Get you out of the gutter. Quit worrying about everything. Go to talking to God. Get your life in order. Well, time's got me. I'll give you this. I'll, I'll give you the rest of them. We're lukewarm in our singing. Come into church. God's grace. Amen. Talk about amazing grace. How sweet the sound. Boy, you say, I can't sing any better than that because I'm afraid I'll miss a note. Get rid of that junk. I'm afraid I get out of tune. I do all the time. I was down there singing the other morning at the house. Nobody was playing. When nobody there to criticize and I was letting her roll, and I got off key three or four times in one verse. Don't bother me. Amen. We're lukewarm about the Scriptures. We don't read them. 
I mean, we, I, you just told me a while ago you believe this book's true. But many of you can't go two hours in the morning without looking at the newspaper or looking at social media on your phone or watching the television and never pick up your Bible till later in the day. Amen. You're more interested in being filled when you're hungry. Amen. Some of you can't even name all the books of the Bible. You don't know uh, all. Is social media right all the time? Well, why would you want to read it all day? I'm going to lie to you. Amen. So people don't read the Scriptures. We, we're lukewarm on our supplication. What's that, preacher? Your prayer life. Power of God comes from above. You got to get in the prayer room to get it. Amen. How long has it been since you stayed up all night to pray for some sinner? How long has it been since you got up and prayed for your church all night or all day after you got up? How long has it been since you didn't eat all day praying for the house of God you go to or for your family members? You know where the devil's at today? What church he's ain't, he ain't on the inside of him? He's standing on the sideline saying, Look, I done got them where I want them. Amen. We're, we're compromising and we're lukewarm on our sacrifice. Somebody said, Preacher, we're not in the days of sacrifice. Who told you that? If you do anything for God, you're going to have to sacrifice. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. God expects us. Who's God expect to do the church work? Church people. I get an electrician to work on the electricity, plumber to work on the plumbing. But when it comes to spiritual part, it's my job and your job to get it done. We pray without fasting, we sow without reaping, and we witness without tears. Don't think nothing in the world about it. You shouldn't complain about anything at all. If you haven't been praying for sinners that's going to hell, haven't been studying the Word of God to find out why you don't know what you know, or what you think you know, and you haven't been seeking the face of God in behalf of your nation, why should you even be concerned about anything? And we are lukewarm on our soul winning. Now this is just something, I suppose this is one of them that every preacher ought to knock off his list and never try to preach that no more. I got down the other day and I said, Lord... I know what you said. You told us to go winning souls and try to get people's lives in right shape. But when I preach it, it just goes over like a lead balloon. Nobody pays no attention. This means I preached about sacrifice a moment ago, supplication, all this other that I just give you on singing scriptures and a service for the Lord and sanctification. Some of you done forgot what I said about part of it already. But let's not think God owes us anything if we're not going to do our part. That's tough. Somebody said, preacher, this is nowhere near. I can get you some sermons that you would really be mad. You may already be, but I'm telling you, I've heard preachers preach much heavier than this right here on what we've not done. These boys have too. And why preach it? You ain't going to listen. I'll tell you why I preach it. Because God said, preach it. 
And if you don't listen, it's not going to be my problem when you get to glory. Amen. So much said for that. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let's get an invitation number. I just kind of halfway went across this. There's so much to talk about. Amen. That I didn't handle and didn't take care of. I love you folks. You don't know that the hours I spent praying for you Nobody at the house but me and the Lord, and we have a good time. Brother, what we're talking about it, I just say, Lord, I want you to touch this and touch that one. You know how many times I call your name in prayer? I'm not bragging. I love you. And I don't want your blood dripping off my hands. Now, I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about standing before the judgment bar. Multitudes have turned me down from hearing the Word of God to the place that they'll get saved. And I've told them, and they'll pay the price. Multitudes of people I've told about what it is to live a sanctified life, dedicated life, a consecrated life. And they've paid me no attention. But I've tried to tell them. You know, I want more of God. The only way I'm going to get more of God is for Him to get more of me. And I want Him to get all of me. I don't want to not let one stone be uncovered in my life. I want Him to have me. I want Him to work through me. I want Him to do through me what He wants done. Let's stand. What's the number? 165. 165? In the blue book. God dealt with your heart. You need to come and do some business with God. Do it right now. Don't waste your time. Don't put it off.